0: You are listening to Riverbend Church podcast. To learn more about us and to connect, go to our website at RiverbendChurch.life. You know, when we first moved here from just down the road, Bethlehem, Georgia, Bethlehem-Winder area, uh, we bought a house, and um, we uh, bought a house that needed a lot of work, and uh, not built in the 1970s, and. Uh, I've been in construction. So when I walked in it, I could see this potential. Now Courtney loved the outside of the house and she loved, uh, you know, the idea of it. But when we went in and I was talking about moving walls around and the kitchen's going to look like this and she's going, I can't see it. Like, I, I trust you, we've been together longer. She goes, I trust you, you know, but I can't see it. So I even take blue tape and put it on the floor for her and like, look, there's gonna be a wall here and here. And she goes, I still can't see it. And so after a little bit of time though, we start moving a few walls around and making some rearrangements in there. And eventually it starts coming together. She goes, oh, I can see it now. And I'm like, that's because it's done. But Anyway. <laughs> So we, we, uh, we look, but we're working on another project right now. She's like, I just can't see it. But she trusts me to walk forward with it. And so, you know, as, uh, as we move forward today, I really want to ask you this question. Can you see it? Can you see it? When you look at where we've already been as a church, and if you're brand new here, what you feel in this place this morning, the presence of God, can you see what would happen if we continued down this path? Can you see what the Holy Spirit may wanna do? Listen, I know that the church has been counted out by a lot of people as you know, old school, who believes that old book anymore? I know that, but there are people up in here and your life is being changed by Jesus Christ. There are families that are finding healing. We may not all be there yet, but we're in the process of it. And God is at work in us. And so I just wanna ask you, can you see where we've been? And then can you see the little bit of the picture of where we're going? Because here's what I wanna do. If you can't see it, I wanna begin to paint a picture. I wanna, if you will, kind of take some blue tape and put it on the floor so you can see the walls moving around and going, what if that happened through the life of this church? And I wanna invite you through this We Are Hope series to get on board. Now I know most of you are already on board. But you may be going, I kind of want to know what would it look like for me to become a part of this. And so that's what I hope to share with you and really give some tangible pieces where you can grab a hold. And so first, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about this We Are Hope vision and I want to get a little bit more kind of in the in the, the broader strokes of what a vision is, but so specifically what We Are Hope 2021, what this vision and ideas, because I think um, companies have visions, you know, churches have visions, families sometimes have a vision statement for their family. Here's where we are, here's where we want to go. And, and I get that. I think in the leadership culture, more and more people are buying into this idea. We need to have a vision of where we're going. But I want to explain to you when I say vision, when I say We Are Hope, this vision, I just want to give you some tangible. Uh, things that you can maybe wrap your mind around so that we're thinking the same thing uh when we talk about vision. And so here's the first piece of this. We are hope 2021. The vision is about first this who we are, who we are. So when we when you see the shirts, when you see, uh, you know, over these next few months as we launch out through Project Hope and as we do things on our campus and in the community, uh, I hope that you see we are hope and you think that's who we are. This is about identity. See, we talked about last week, you can't get where you're going until you know where you are, until you're really honest about where you are as you move forward. And so uh, who we are is just as important as knowing where we are. They're kind of hand in hand. And so here's the thing. Salvation begins with an honest confession of Lord, we need Jesus. We need you. We can't do it on our own. And so as followers of Jesus, we have to know who we are. I am a person that needs a savior, but I'm also a person who's been given a new identity in Jesus Christ. That's who you are. Remember last week we said there's no condemnation in Christ that's who you are, that's who you are. That's not just a good thing that's written in the Bible that may be for you. If you belong to Christ, that's who you are. Here's the second piece, why we are here. This vision is about why we are here and these two actually go hand in hand, who we are, why we're here. So our identity and our purpose go hand in hand. Every purpose, uh, every person has a purpose and I believe every local church has a purpose. There are many churches that do exactly what we're doing. They do different days of the week. They do what we're doing today, gather for worship. There are many who call the name of Jesus as Savior and as Lord who do the same thing we do. And we're all on the same team and we're moving forward. This specifically though is about what God has called us to do because he's called us to a, a place. He's called specific people together. And so we're taking a look at why we're here, but it always connects to the grander kingdom vision. And so understanding why, do you know what it does? It keeps you fueled and focused. If you don't know why you're doing what you're doing in any given circumstance, you will get lost in the weeds sometimes. You get unfocused and you go, go down a side road. And so this is uh, the why lets us know, our purpose lets us know that our lives are matter and will make a difference. Now here's the third thing, and this is a little more common when you think vision. Where God is leading us to go in the next season. And that's simply vision. Most of the time when you hear, it's gonna be a vision series, this is the point we focus on, but I think we have to take all of it into account if we wanna be honest about uh, succeeding in what God has called us to. So uh, God is, uh, the the vision is for the church that I wanna lay out for you. And and I'm gonna be really honest, some of you are gonna hear this today and you're gonna go, I thought it was gonna be way more complicated than that. Uh, If you haven't heard it yet, I, I think sometimes we hope that things are complicated, or like, ooh, aha moments. And honestly, what the Lord's put on my heart is so simple that every single person can grab hold of it. But here's the thing, we gotta know where God wants us to go, kind of that picture. But did you know that it's not just for the church, it's for your life personally? Your personal daily daily life is intimately connected to what God's doing through his church if you're a follower of Jesus. And so where God has taken us, I wanna paint a picture for you. Here's the, thir- the, the fourth thing how we're going to get there. And so uh, I don't want to just get fired up emotionally and then go home and everybody go, that was awesome, but I don't know what it means. You know, if you hear somebody sometimes and you're like, man, he's such a good speaker. I don't know what he said, but he was excited about it. I don't want to be that guy. I mean, I've been to conferences and things before where you're like, oh, amen. Everybody's going, amen. But then everybody goes home and goes, but what do we do with it? I don't really know. I mean, we're excited. He was a good speaker. And so the fourth piece is really one of the the ones that we can't leave out. How do I grab hold of this thing so that when we look back five or six months from now, we actually made a difference? It's the it's the difference in like talk and writing it on the wall and actually looking back and saying, "But we did it, but we did it. That we made that so, we covered some ground." And so that's important to me. Uh, and so, first, I want to take us back to our identity and purpose. And so in a way today is sort of like a bit of a membership class slash discover Riverbend where you kind of pull back the curtain on who we are. Not everything we cover in there is covered today, but one of the big things is, and so here's what I wanna give you, our purpose statement. This is kind of reminds us who we are and why we're here to begin with. So Riverbend church, here's the language that we've developed and the reason our church say no love live, here it is that we believe we exist to lead all people to know, love, and live new life in Jesus Christ. That's why God put us here. And so we believe that the way we bring hope to people is by ultimately using everything we have to lead people to Jesus. Why? Because His hope is the anchor for souls. Life is gonna throw you around, but if you're anchored in your soul, you can't be defeated if you're anchored to Him. And so why are we passionate about this mission? Well, I want to show you what the Apostle Paul said, 2 Corinthians 5, if you have your Bible. I'll put it up here. Here's what it says Why are we passionate about this mission? The same reason the church, 1980, 70, 80 years ago, was passionate. Here it is We must all stand before Christ to be judged. That doesn't sound like a really good statement to start out your mission, your vision. You're like, whew. But here it is We must all one day, we can't we can't get so caught up in the now that we don't remember that one day we're gonna see Jesus that we worship face to face. I mean, I can get so caught up in the here and now and the way things are now. His presence is with us, but I've never seen him. But one day I'm gonna stand before him and you're gonna stand before him. And I wanna talk about this judgment a little bit. But it says that one day we'll stand before Christ to be judged This is not the judgment you've heard about where people are cast out of God's presence. Just depart from me, I never knew you. This is actually a time where every single follower of Christ will come before the Lord and he will look at what you did with your time, your talents, your spiritual giftings, and then there will be reward or lack of based on that. The Bible talks a lot about this, especially Revelation, that every single one of us will stand accountable. So I think sometimes in our mind, it's either, well, I either follow Jesus or I don't. Yes, when it comes to salvation, But when it comes to your eternity and standing before the Lord, he's actually gonna look as a believer at what you did. And so that's this judgment. And so everybody's gonna be in heaven with Jesus at this point, but he's actually gonna look at our lives. And so I kind of envision him like rolling out the TV and he's like, all right, let's hit play. Courtney, (laughs) everybody get your popcorn. We're gonna watch, so not really. But I think what he'll do is, that'd be scary, wouldn't it? Some of you are like, I'm out, I'm never doing this again. You know, uh, but, but what I think though is all of us are gonna stand there and this is meant to to kind of say, you know, we need to get passionate about what we're doing with our time because we don't have much and it's gonna matter for eternity. What we do matters for eternity. So it says, we will each receive what we deserve, whether for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Now here's a, a statement that's very powerful. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, We work hard to persuade others. So where do you get this idea of we exist to lead all people to know and love and live? Well, there's a lot of places I can give you in scripture, but I love this one. We understand we're gonna stand before the Lord one day and therefore we work hard to persuade others with what God has given us. We have this responsibility. Now, there's an older translation in that fearful responsibility of the Lord phrase it actually was translated terror of the Lord. And that's kind of hard to understand. So what is the terror of the Lord? Because we understand the terror of the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. Well, if you look at the original language, there's actually two ideas wrapped up in this because I understand that I have this responsibility, this fearful responsibility. First is this, is that it is a fact that there is a heaven and a hell and that no one goes to heaven by default. Let that sink in for a minute. Nobody is on their way to heaven without Jesus. I mean, that's what Jesus said in John 14. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. He didn't leave any room for any other way to get there. Now, that seems really close-minded, but if we put our chips in the Jesus basket and go, Jesus, we believe you're it, then he's saying I'm the only way only way." And so we have to understand no one goes to heaven by default. What's the fearful responsibility that there is a heaven and there is a hell and Jesus is the only way to heaven. And so our sinful actions separate us from God, but through faith in Jesus we can be restored. That's what we celebrate. Last week, there were several people who in the service and after the service, all week long, people came up to me and said, I gave my life to Jesus last week. I think there were seven of you in this service last week who said, I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord, most of whom are gonna be baptized next Sunday night at our Lake baptism. And so I'm, I'm just amazed at the Lord waking people up to this reality. There's a heaven and there's a hell and there's a way out and his name is Jesus and that's what we preach. So that's part of that fearful responsibility, but... Also, there's this other fear for responsibility that God is gonna hold us accountable for what we do with what we've been given. Our time, our money, our spiritual gifting. And so because of that, we work hard to persuade. And that word persuade, if you go back to kind of original language, it's to win somebody over, to use what you have to win somebody to win people over. That's where we kind of get you matter from. I, wanna, I want you to know like you really matter whether you believe what I do or not yet, you matter to me. And so that's where we are right now. So I want to unpack this statement, this Riverbend Church statement and uh, a little bit at the time. And I think I left, if you're taking notes, I left room beside each little statement there where you can jot something down if something stands out, but we have to understand who we are and why we're here. And here it is that Riverbend Church and so the reason we include this is we want to be really sure to know that we're not just a business. We're not just a nonprofit that people can donate money to and get a tax write-off, although you do, but that's not our primary purpose. Is, is to You know, our primary purpose is not even to, to just do some good things and be good people. That's not our primary purpose, although we should be. Those are not faults or wrong, but we are a church. Now here's the cool thing about this church. Over the last three years, we've already taken massive steps towards uh, seeing different generations come together, seeing different ethnicities come together, seeing different socioeconomic levels come together. But also on the flip side of that, spiritually, or the other side of that, we have seasoned believers we have new believers and we have some that are not even yet believers, like they're asking questions. And guess what? It's all okay that we're in this together. That is who makes up this church. Now, doctrinally, I understand the church is only those who've surrendered to Jesus, I get that. But church in this earth is also people who are in process of getting there until Jesus comes back. And so if you're one of the ones that are kind of searching that out right now, listen, we want you to know, we feel like you're a part of this church. And so Riverbend Church, we exist. This is the second word in our mission statement. Our purpose and calling to kind of make disciples of all nations, to love God and love people, to baptize and to teach, it's all summed up in what comes next. This is why we exist. You know that word exist, you know what it becomes? It becomes our our, our uh, funnel of decision-making. The church can do a lot of good things, but God hadn't called us to do every good thing it burns people out. Um, If you grew up in church, and some of you did, like me, you were at church every time the doors, when my dad came to Christ, all of a sudden, every time the church door was open, guess who was there? Peyton family. In the parking lot early, last one to leave, you know? And there was a lot of really, really great things about it. But here's what I'll say. Every good thing God has called the church to do, he hasn't called this local body to do it ourselves, but he has specifically given us some things to do. So that word kind of funnels, here's what we're gonna say yes to. And then there are some things, even though they're good, it may be right, not right now. We can't do that right now, but we're gonna say yes to what we can. And so Riverbend Church exists to lead. That's the third piece of this. Leadership is a huge part of our culture, our small group culture, our staff culture. We believe in it, not just because it's a buzzword in culture for the last 30, 40 years uh, or an idea, it's because God has given us uh, this, I think, a calling to lead ourselves well and to lead others to him. And so if we wanna lead ourselves well, we also have to, or if we wanna lead our others well, we have to lead ourselves. And so leadership simply defined as influence in another person's life. And so you're using your influence to point someone else in a direction, to do something in their life. And so here's the next word, all people. Riverman Church exists to lead all people. Now, this word all, I capitalize it on purpose because it's kind of the thing that keeps like flashing in my mind when I read this. And the reason I think God keeps doing that is uh, all people reminds us that the people we're leading, it's every neighbor in every neighborhood in our reach. Every neighbor in every neighborhood. So if we drive by someone, if we live in the same city or county, regardless of beliefs, skin color, social status, or lifestyle, we are a church for all people. That's not something I want to say. That's something I'm willing to put, uh, put into action in life. And I know that you are too. And so do you know what else all people reminds us of? And I want to show you this in scripture in just a second that God has called us to bring unity and reconciliation, to bring heaven to earth. If you read the book of Revelation, it says that this picture of heaven that the apostle John paints, you know what he says? I saw people from every tribe, Every tongue, every nation, all worshiping, singing this song to the Lord with the angels. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. They're singing this song and he sees all these people. And so what it shows us is, we are responsible for bringing some reconciliation to the division of this world. Actually, I would say racial division and all the injustices that are here, the church should be the tip of that spear of bringing justice of bringing unity. Now, here's the thing, we don't live to try to make the world right without Christ. What we do is we say, Jesus, anywhere you point us, we're gonna go. But we know scripturally, I'll show you in just a second, we're called to be part of reconciliation, but all people reminds us uh, that we have to stand against the injustices and especially uh, the people of color in our city and in our nation face. But this is the thing, it is our responsibility to be a part of that as the church to say, God, we can't do it all, but we refuse to do nothing. We refuse to do nothing. We're going to do what we can. And so, uh, and so, uh, here's what Paul said. I want to unpack some scripture for you here. And then we're going to finish the last piece. Cause I want you to understand this. Uh, here's what Paul wrote. Second Corinthians chapter five. He says this either way, Christ's love controls us or compels us. And so what he's just talked about, he kind of gets us this idea, it's actually what we do, we are compelled by God's love. Yes, we are here understanding this fearful responsibility to the Lord. That's why we work hard to persuade others. But also we're not compelled by guilt. We're not compelled by fear. We are compelled by love. And so that's kind of filling in the gaps there and go back and read that, that scripture there. But here's what he says. Since we believe that Christ died for who? All. Say it with me. All. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. That means there's some things about you that when you come to Jesus, he's still working in. He's making you new. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for who? Themselves. Ooh, you liked me up until now, didn't you? Scripture just lays it out. If you are a follower of Jesus, you cannot live for yourself any longer. Why? Because we're told that's not what it's all about. No longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Now look at this, verse 16. We have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Let me explain this to you. At one point in time, we looked at people just like people of the first century did, only from the outside. What colors your skin? Where did you grow up? Now, if you go back to the first century, it was basically Jew and Gentile. And there were you know some, some different divisions and injustices even in there. But the biggest was Jew and Gentile. You're either God's people or you're not. And that's it, basically. But Jew and Gentile, he said, used to, we just looked at the outside. We just looked at where you were from and what your bloodline was, and that's how we looked. But look what the gospel does. He Oh, and then he says, at one time we thought of Christ that way. What does he mean? When Jesus was standing beside them, they knew him as a Jewish rabbi. But he says how differently we know him now. Now, Paul doesn't explain this, but you know what he's talking about? Now, we don't know him beside us, we have him living inside us. We used to just know him on the outside, what Jesus was like. Now, we have the presence of Jesus, living on the inside of us. And so here's verse 17, one of my favorite verses in all the scripture. It means that anyone who belongs to Christ, how do you know you belong to him? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? If you have, that you have become a new person. And if you look at this language here, the old life has gone, a new life has begun. You can sense the process, process. You probably know somebody and when they came to Jesus, everything changed almost overnight. But then there are many of us and we met Jesus and something started changing and we started getting convicted and we're still in that process. You with me? Some of you still in that journey with us right now. We're all in this. So, a new go back to that last one. The old life is ending and a new life has begun. Do you know what begun implies? Is that it's just starting. It's a process. Now look at verse 18. He says all of this is a gift from God. So God gave us this new life. We didn't earn it. We weren't good enough to get it on our own. And it said uh, that it's a gift from God who brought us to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task. So here's the thing, God gave you new life. You're not supposed to live for yourself. He gave you a purpose. When he put the spirit inside of you, look what it is here. God has given us this task. So what is our life? What is our purpose? Reconciling people to him. In another place, Paul tells us that at the cross, Jesus reconciled not only people to him, but to one another. He broke down the wall of hostility. It says, for God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are, and here it is, we are hope. You wanna know where I get that from? Here it is. We are Christ's ambassadors. That means Jesus ascended and put the spirit in me. And now everywhere that I walk, if I choose to see it this way, I am the hands and feet of Jesus. Jesus was hope when he walked this earth. And now that he's put the church here, guess what? We are hope. That's you. You may not see yourself like that, but when you go to work this week, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are hope. And so God is making his appeal through who? Us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. You know what the message is? God loves you so much, come back to him. Listen, I know all your excuses and all your reasons and all of the faults and all the things you say I can't, but this is me just saying, no, 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 no. If he accepted me and he made me hope, then I wanna call you back too. It says, God made Christ who never sinned be the offering for our sins so that what? So that we could be made right with God through Christ. Isn't that a beautiful passage? Isn't that a beautiful scripture to see? It's convicting, and yet it's uplifting. He gave us this gift of new life, but he also gave us this task of reconciling people, of leading people to him. And so let me show you the last piece of this statement. Riverbend Church, we exist to reconcile people, to lead people, to be hope in their pathway. We exist to lead all people. And here's three words, you kind of see on our shirt and on the bed, to know. Coming to Jesus begins many times with knowledge. Now, how does this knowledge come to us? Sometimes it comes through the scripture. Maybe you open a Bible and God started speaking to you, but you know how else knowledge comes? Through another person's story. Do you know how else it comes? I've heard people before talk about just being in nature and just being overwhelmed by like, there has to be a God just because of something they saw. The last, I guess the most vivid time, because I grew up in the country and you take for granted things that other people haven't seen. So I've seen a lot, but I remember God in 2012 got my attention. uh, My oldest son, Andrew and I, we were in Peru in the desert mountains of Peru, the south of Lima on a mission trip. And early one morning I got up and we hiked and, uh, and I thought at 5,000, five, 6,000 feet elevation, there's already a, a little bit hard breathing. We decided to climb and I didn't think about how bad that was gonna be and I'm like, <gasps> I'm having to stop and breathe and I can't breathe. We get up, we climbed about 2,000 feet up and we sat on this mountain, we finally got up there, we sat down, it was nothing but desert and you could see the little stream below. And in that moment, God overwhelmed me. Like looking out a moment, I, I was just completely overwhelmed and in awe. Guess what? God brings his knowledge in many ways but it begins with knowledge. Now, let me tell you something about this word. When you see this word, no, in our mission statement, our call is to simply invite people to do what we're already doing. We are knowing him. Nobody in this room has arrived. If you know everything about God, then you're at the wrong church. There's probably some other ones that would love to have you, but if you already got it all figured out, I'm just telling you like, this is the wrong church because we're still learning. His knowledge is infinite. So knowing Him and inviting others to know Him, we're saying, hey, come on this mission I'm already on. But do you know what else? You can't lead anybody to know if you don't know people. You gotta be intentional. That's the word I keep here, man. What if we just intentionally built relationships? What would that solve in our world? What again if we were able to have a relationship with somebody we didn't agree with? Y'all realize we've lost that in our culture? I remember my granddaddy having it out with people and I thought he hates them and he's never gonna speak to him again. And then they were breakfast the next morning. They didn't agree over something where it was politics or something in the Bible or whatever. And, and they're like, I don't believe, I don't. But you know what? They're friends and they work together and they were there for each other. We have lost that ability to disagree without hating somebody. I'm just telling you, the church is here to reconcile that. It's okay. You know what? If you were to ask me questions, there's some things that you and I probably wouldn't agree on. And you could tap out and go, well, I ain't gonna be at Riverbend Church. Or we could just go, but is it about Jesus or no? Can we just focus on him? I think that's one of the beauties of what Riverbend is experiencing is there's a lot of different people with a lot of different uh, like denominational backgrounds and a lot of different, some grew up in church, some didn't. God's bringing it all together and letting the other things fade away to go, Jesus, it's about you. We just wanna focus on you. And so Riverbend Church exists to lead all people to know and love. You can't have a mission statement without having love on it, loving it if you know Jesus. Jesus said the greatest commandment was this, Matthew, that we should love God with everything, our heart, soul, mind, strength. We should love our neighbor as ourselves. So love God, love people. Again, we are loving God and we are leading others to love him. But do you know how we lead others to love him? You love them. See the trajectory here? How do we help people know God? We have to know people. How do we help people love God or lead them to love? We have to love people. That's how it works. And so here's the third piece is live new life. So to know love, live new life kind of all goes together right there. Live new life. If you've surrendered your life to Christ and you're on this journey like we just looked at, the old life is gone. Look Look at this verse again, 517. It says uh, that means anyone who belongs to Christ, you become a new person. This is that there's no condemnation. I am the old me is fading away, and the new me is coming out day by day. And so, again, we're joining, inviting others to join us on a no love live journey. See, you're just inviting them to do what you're already doing. I'm trying to know him more every day. I'm trying to love him more every day. I'm trying to live new life more every day. And I just wanna invite other people in. And you know, you can invite people in at different stages too. That's the beauty of the mission of the church. It doesn't matter if you've been religious or you're not religious at all. It doesn't matter if you know a lot about the Bible or nothing at all. If you're younger, older, middle-aged, no matter where you grew up or where you're from, we can invite you in at know and love and live new life. Come on and be a part of this with us. And so it's part of what we get to do to look at people and say, there is new life for you. I love that part because I had to have somebody remind me of that in my early twenties. I don't think I'd be passionate today without a couple of men that God put in my life. That, that, that were just guys that nobody would have thought about investing in me. One was a doctor and he just went out of his way and he would pray over me and he would speak things into me and he wasn't even in ministry per se, but he would just call it out of me and say, I see God working in you. I think the Lord's gonna call you to pastor and I'm going, you're crazy. And he's telling me this, but you know what he was telling me? There is new life for you. You already know the Lord, but there's new life for you. What we get to do, we are hope. We get to look at people and say, no matter what you're going through, there's hope for you no matter where you've been in your past, there's hope for you. And so here's the last word that's on there, Jesus Christ. So we begin with the church of Jesus and we end with Jesus, everything in between is His. It's kind of our mission statement. And so that hope that's anchored for our souls. And so church today, I know you go, this is a little different message than what I would usually preach. I want you to understand what fuels me, what fuels our staff, what fuels our leadership teams, our elders. It's this statement right here. And all the scripture, there's a ton of scripture that goes with this. You know, Jesus in Matthew said, go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's leading people to know him. It says, teach them to obey all that I've commanded, leading them to know him, to love him, to live new life. That's what we're doing. And so, Here's what I want to do though, before I give you the tangibles and you have this on, on a guide there that's in front of you, but just hang on. Don't go there quite yet. If you, if you have it, just stay with me. I want to give you four things quickly because I had a couple of questions about this as I begin to share some of this vision is like, does this change the other things that we value? And so when I was writing this for this Sunday, I wanted to come back around and say our key values remain as well. This vision is just a smaller piece that sits on top of this current of underflow. First, our mission statement to lead people to Jesus. But then there are four key values. And I won't say these are all of our core values, which is more scriptural based. These are kind of distinctives of who we are. You're gonna feel these things if you're part of Riverbend. And here they are, I put these in your notes. First is this, that you matter. And you go, we've heard that a bunch of times. You hadn't heard it enough and you probably hadn't shared it enough yet. And this is an attitude that inspires action. You know what you matter is? It's just simply an attitude that says, I see you, I hear you, and you matter to me. This is crazy, but do you know that you don't have to agree with the person when you have this attitude towards them? They don't have to agree with you. They don't have to live the same lifestyle you do. They they, they may never choose that but you matter just means I see you, I hear you. So as a part of We Are Hope, listen, for every single person here today, when you go out, there's a t-shirt with your name on it somewhere. And by that, I mean, go to the table and tell them you want one, tell them Joe sent you. But here's the thing, the reason we did this is it's a banner. It's like a bumper sticker for your heart, sort of. Put it on and go, you know, when you look in the mirror, I am hope today. Jesus, I'm messed up and I need you, but I'm gonna go say you matter to people. We are hope. And the we, you know why I didn't say I am hope? I put we, because you need to be reminded on your bad days, there's other people that are doing this with you and they're with you on that day. And you may need to call them and go, hey, it's a bad day for me. I need somebody to be with me on the journey today. And they're gonna go, I got you, because you matter to me. We matter to each other and outside these walls and around Hall County and beyond that, from where you guys drive in from and where you're watching from, you matter. Here's a second piece this is a key value for us as family matters. We understand that there are two parent homes, single parent homes, single people, married people, blended families. And the church is the answer to the greater family, but we're gonna fight so hard for wherever you are, age and stage for family in your life. We're gonna fight for that. Whether if you're here all by yourself, no you're not because you got a church family that's right here. And so that is something that we fight for. In fact, coming up in a couple of weeks, one of my favorite times of the year, if not my favorite, we're gonna get to share a family series, which is where we just look at the struggles and challenges of family and we go, God, will you speak to this? Will you help us with this? And so I'm really excited about that coming up. The third one is this, next generation matters. Next gen, this is an undercurrent. Right now, we are looking to grow our student ministry staff. We're praying hard. We're working hard, Pastor Ben is working so hard right now as we pray going, God, will you send us more staff to pour into next generation? So it is a prayer matter of ours. We're going, Jesus, send the right people. We're gonna put our first and best, meaning we're gonna get the right people and we're also gonna rally around it. I support our student ministry. I support our kids' ministry. I support our college and our career and our uh, kind of our our young career folks that are here, our 20-year-olds that serve all over the place. Uh, By the way, we love you guys, but I'm for you, we are for you. And as long as I'm here, we're gonna keep on going after it. Now, here's the fourth thing, community matters. When you see project hope, community is piece of that. We wanna build a better community in Jesus name. So here's the deal. I gave you those four things because you need to understand that that what, what I'm about to show you doesn't change that. That's an undercurrent of who we are. That's just who we are. Those are the distinctives of who we are. But with all this as the foundation today, understanding our purpose and our identity, understanding the key values that we ride on, Can I give you the vision God has planted in my heart? And I wanna talk about it and especially just for a moment tell you in a way it's been sort of difficult for me to walk through. In the next 24 months, specifically though right now five or six months to see Riverbend Church multiply, multi-ethnic, multi-site that uh, hundreds more people in Gainesville and Hall County will know, love and live new life in Jesus. Now let me unpack this. The multiply piece, you know, in the book of Acts, it said that God added to the church daily. The Lord has been adding to the church almost daily. Did you know that in three years, there hasn't been a Sunday where someone new hasn't tried Riverbend since I've been here? That's crazy. That's crazy to me. Three years, there's not been a single Sunday where there hadn't been at least one new person that tried Riverbend out and said, you know, we feel attracted to just come try it out. See if it's for us. But I'm asking God this time to go, God, what if we said, Lord, would you double, would you multiply what you're doing in the life of this church? Not so we can post numbers and go, we had so many, you know what? But so that we can tell life stories like there are that many more people, heaven just got bigger and earth just got better. Why? Because the church multiplied, that's how it works. God, will you do that through Riverbend? And so we're praying that prayer. Now this multi-ethnic piece, here it is. Heaven is multi-ethnic. And I think Riverbend, listen, I think we're there. I think our hearts are there. But as I talk to, I have, I have uh, pastors, I have friend, friends that are every, uh, really from every background, different countries. But I sat down a few weeks ago with a pastor friend of mine, it's a black pastor. And I said, hey, talk to me. What are we white dudes getting wrong? Because you know, sometimes I'll be honest, through all this racial division, you're so scared to say the wrong thing and hurt somebody. I don't wanna hurt my, my friends who are, who are not like me as far as they, where they came from. And so I'm like, God, I wanna be so careful because there's nothing in me that wants to hurt. But you know what he said to me? He said, you need to be more intentional with what God has given you. I gave him freedom. I said, "Tell tell me what I need to hear. He said, intentionality. And so I included this in here. It's because we live in a diverse city. We live in a diverse county. And guess what? Everywhere is more diverse except for the church and Jesus is drawing people together. It's already started. I just wanna know, I want you guys to know for all of my white brothers and sisters, I love you and I'm with you and I'm for you. For all of my brothers and sisters of color that are in the room today, I want you to know that we are part of the fight for unity and reconciliation. Why? Because that is a gospel matter. I don't know all the answers to it, but I just wanna look at you and go, hey, we're gonna be part of the solution the best way we know how. We may not get it all right, but we're gonna fight for it. And so we're gonna put this in there and say, God, would you bring even more people together where it doesn't even make sense, people that may not ever cross paths otherwise, put them together in Jesus' name. Do you know what that partnership will do? It will look crazy to our world and people will be attracted to that. And this is the last one, multi-site. I'm gonna walk through it in just a moment, exactly what this is, but I wanna ask you a question I asked to start with, can you see it church? Can you see what would happen if God doubled our influence? Can you see what would happen if God began to bring uh, unit diversity together, continue to do that? He's already doing that. But what if we just embrace it wholeheartedly and say, God, I'm part of the answer. I am hope in this world. I'm not gonna depend on somebody in government to be my hope. I'm not gonna depend on somebody else to be my hope. I'm gonna say, Jesus, you're it. And I'm with you, Lord. What do you wanna do through my life? Here it is. We're not gonna live that long anyway. Y'all understand that? When you look back at the end of your life, it's not very long. We get one shot to do what God's called us to do. This is me going, I'm in the right spot. And Lord Jesus, here I am. As your pastor, here I am, Lord. I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying we're gonna do this. Can you see uh, the culture? Can you see the future, the culture, what it would look like when every person in our area knows that they matter? How much would suicide go down? How much would depression, I'm not saying it all goes away and it's easy. I'm just saying how much more would we be able to fight that if people could understand you matter to me? What if racial division became healed first through the church and then flowed outward? What if we asked God to not only grow us on this location, but to say, Lord, we believe that you're not only gonna fill this campus, you're gonna ask us to do it somewhere else too. And you go, do you have all the answers? Nope. In some ways I'm stepping out and I don't even know where the first step is. And I'm going, but God, we're about to step. In Jesus' name, we're about to step here. And so here's what I wanna do. Can you see what God may want you to be a part of? We're gonna be on Lord willing one day, we're gonna be on in the rocking chairs telling stories. I hope that part of your story that you can't forget is that you were a part of this season of of, of the life of the church. And you go, man, do you remember when we got to be a part of that? How cool is that gonna be? Here's what I wanna do. I wanna pray for you. And I wanna tell you, if you join us online today, thank you so much for tuning in. Band, I'm gonna change it up for time's sake just a little bit today. But I wanna pray for us. And then I'm gonna move straight into this uh, final section here. So Lord, I ask you right now, God, that you would, uh, Lord, that you would just open our eyes to be able to see the picture. Lord, what would that look like in our families? What would that look like in our lives? Lord, to live this out, to live out we your hope on a daily basis, God, we need your help this morning. So Jesus, I ask you even now as we walk through this, that your presence would be with us. Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Church Podcast. If you want more information, please visit our website, riverbendchurch.life.